Church audio podcast. I'm Christmas Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have a message entitled Love on the Margins. We're looking at a passage from Mark chapter 12, 38 through 44, which Jesus calls out the Pharisees for their hypocrisy and simultaneously uh, sees a woman giving the last bit she has and notes her sincerity generosity and trust in God. And just a quick announcement that next weekend we will not have our regular scheduled service as we will be meeting down at the Bogofalaya Park for a church picnic potluck. So bring something out and join us 1030 down by the river. I put, I put this passage on the front of your bulletin, but once again, I did not check it before I printed them out, so we're missing a piece of the passage on your bulletin. So if we all try to read this together, we're going to get to that awkward point where we all stop reading, and then I have to make up something. So I'm just going to read the passage myself this morning. Um, this comes from Mark chapter 12, verse 38 through 44. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I shared a little bit of my story last week um, that when I was 11 years old, I felt called to preach. Uh, I was at a revival meeting, a crusade out in Midland, Texas. It was a big deal, and the, and the, the guy leading it said, do you feel called to preach? And I, I went up there, and um, so I was, I was ready to go for it. But probably about a year later, my parents ended up getting divorced. I moved to this little small podunk town in, uh, in, in, in West Texas and just kind of drifted out of the church for a little bit. And then I, I was full on just running away from God uh, for most of my teenage years. So I was kind of uh, running from God for almost a decade before returning to faith when I was uh, age 20. And shortly after coming back to faith as an adult, uh, I ended up at Christ for the Nations Bible College up in Dallas, Texas. And I would, I had this little, kind of my routine every day was I would go to classes till about noon, and then I would go back to our little apartment on campus, and I'd make some lunch, and while I was eating lunch, I would turn on the TV and watch one of the local channels there, uh, which, which uh, would, would feature this local uh, pastor evangelist named Robert Tilton, 
Anybody remember Robert Tilton? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, many of you younger folks might not know him by the name Robert Tilton. You might know him by the farting preacher. It's a YouTube video. Okay, you can look it up. All you got to do is type those words in. I won't show it uh, because I could never get y'all back on track with me. But before Robert Tilton became famous on YouTube uh, for the Farting Preacher parodies, um, he was famous for being probably the most over-the-top televangelist that ever existed. This dude, I would watch him every day, and I would be in awe. Because he could take any passage out of the Bible and turn it into, this is why you need to give your money to God. And by God, I mean me. (laughs) I mean, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You want God to create more financial wealth and prosperity for you? Then give your money to God. By by, by God, I mean me. (laughs) He could take any passage and twist it around. And I was just, I was just dumbfounded. So I'd watch it every day while I'm eating a sandwich and chips. And, and I'd be thinking, someday, if I ever pastor a church, I can use this. No. Just kidding. Um, but Robert Tilton, one of his favorite passages was, was part of the passage that we read today about the widow dropping in her two cents. And this is... If you, if you see people, and there's been all kinds of people like Robert Tilton that have, have existed in modern Christianity, they tend to prey on poor people, on elderly people with fixed incomes, on widows. And the message that Robert Tilton would tell to those who were poor and didn't have anything was, if you don't have anything, just give the last bit of what you have to God. And by God, I mean me, because I need another house. I need another plane. Robert Tilton, actually, his church up in Dallas, it actually had a river. They built a river in that church. A river. They built a river in a church. I I can't do anything with that. (laughs) But unfortunately... It wasn't just Robert Tilton who I heard this message from. I heard it from ordinary evangelical pastors many times. In fact, when I came to this passage this week, because we're going through the lectionary each weekend, so I'm just kind of taking the passages that I'm presented. When I came to this, I I had kind of an aversion to this passage because the only messages that I've heard most of my life have been If you don't have anything, give the last bit you have to God, and he'll take care of you. And they always define God as them. (laughs) But when we look at this passage in context, see, the problem with Robert Tilton and many like him who prove the same point is they start with a passage about the widow, but they don't read the verses leading up to it. And what we can find out about this passage is that it's as much a passage indicting the religious system of the day as it is about the widow's trust and sincerity of faith and generosity towards God. Jesus is saying, beware of religious teachers, of Pharisees, who love to walk around in their big robes, flowing robes, you know, signifying their 
uh, position. I guess it'd be kind of like chefs. They got their own kind of hats that that, that, that that say what level of chef they are. At that time, they had these robes that would signify the, the bigger your robe, the, 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 the more important you are. And Jesus says, watch out for these guys because they love their reputation. They love going to banquets and having the choice seats. I wish I had this problem as a pastor. Most of the time when I go somewhere, I'm trying to convince somebody I'm a pastor, and they don't believe me. <laughs> uh, remember about, it was probably about a, a six months or a year after Katrina, there was an organization we were working with called Beacon of Hope, and they were helping bring back communities down in Lakeview and Gentilly. And um, there was this this section of Gentilly uh, that was that, that families were starting to return to that was beginning to be rebuilt, and there was this park there in the center of this area, and and we were going to help restore this park and get it up because it had been flooded, it was all rusted, and things were just nasty. And Starbucks was having their national convention; they'd moved it to New Orleans that year, so they had some ten thousand managers and employees that had come down. And Starbucks had decided that they were going to take a day off from their conference and have everybody go out and do service projects around New Orleans. So we met out at the park this one day, and we had all these people from the church and from Beacon of Hope and Starbucks employees, and we're out there painting and trimming trees and mowing lawns and excited about helping bring this thing back. And then all of a sudden, this local politician pulls up to to help us. We're like, great. I won't mention the name of the person. Um, He's still in politics to this day and and in an important position in New Orleans. That's all I'll say. but he pulls up, gets out of the car, goes to work, starting painting. But it was uncanny that, like, within a minute of him picking up a paintbrush, the news media shows up. It's, it's almost like it was planned. And, <laughs> and so he's out there. I think they had to spray a little water on him to look like he was perspiring because he just got out of a cold car. But he's painting this swing set and talking about how he loves being a part, loves getting his hands dirty, being a part of the restoration of the community. And they turn those cameras off about five minutes later and then hop back in the news truck and drive off. And it wasn't a minute later that he put down the paintbrush and he was gone. Now, I'm I'm happy that he painted that one little part of that, that swing set. That's meaningful. Um... But the reality is we, we become cynical because we see this so often with politicians. I mean, we know in this country, uh, you know, I just can't take seriously hardly any politician when it comes to, to Christianity. Because Christianity is just something like you you got to at least pretend to be a Christian if you're going to get elected president. But it just feels so often like I'm just going to pray these prayers, make these statements not because I'm sincere about this, but because I got my own agenda. I'm going to leverage my religion for my own personal agenda. We might be tempted when we look at a passage, especially Jesus' words here to the teachers of the law, look out for them, because much of what they are doing is for show. It's not coming out of substance or sincerity. But I want to say this. It's not that we just don't do things where people can see them, now, that is a good place to start. It's good to learn how to give 
financially to help people in secret. It's good to do things where you don't get any glory, where your ego doesn't get puffed up. That's okay. That's a good thing to practice. You might want to try that. I might want to as well. <laughs> but Jesus also said in Matthew five fourteen through 13, he says, You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people hide a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your, good, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what Jesus is getting at here, it's not that we can't do good deeds where other people can see them, but it's the motivation of our hearts. Are we doing these good deeds because it gets us more power, more prestige, more prominence, because it helps our agenda? Are we doing this because we sincerely love and care for people? I think it's great. But, but by the way, did, did Mitchell, did you mention how much we say, raised on the Change for Change? You did? Okay. I was not paying attention. I'm sorry. We raised over a thousand bucks for the Boys and Girls Club just from pocket change. Now, I have to admit, Judy, I, I had no idea. She was collecting the, the change, and, and turns out these change machines are very sensitive. They can only take change, and, and she realized that, that some change jars, like mine, actually had guitar picks in them, <laughs> SD cards, and lots of these little mints, because I would just... <laughs> I just empty out my pockets at the end of church and throw it all in the same jar. And so I didn't know. Poor lady, she had to wash the change before she could take it to the bank. But I think it's good that people see see people giving to help those who are needy in our community. I think it's good when people on the North Shore see people from North Shore Vineyard collecting food for the hungry. Like with all the bad press that Christians get, I think it's good when people see Christians taking care of the needy. We have a guy that's been coming to church here for a bit who uh, approached me a few weeks ago, and he used to own a company that's, that they manufactured these really nice coats. I mean, these were nice coats for, like, like going mountain, you know, hiking in the mountains and stuff. They got inside liners that you can take in and out. They got a hood. They're waterproof. He said, do you think you can figure out something to do with all these jackets? I'm like, Yeah. I mean, I had to resist the temptation because I wanted one myself. <laughs> but I talked to uh, Brian Johnson, and we're going to do a partnership with, with the, the Mid-City Vineyard that's getting planted in January. And we're going to go down to New Orleans on a Saturday and pass out coats to the homeless. We're going to put some socks in them and some other things in the pockets, too, so there's some surprises in the, in the pockets. I think that's good, though, for people to see that. And with all the junk that people see about the church, it's okay to, to see Christians taking care of the poor. That's good. But there is a manipulative, coercive way of doing religion that's all about me and my agenda and what I want. And that's what Jesus is really condemning right here. The people who just pretend. See, it's not, it's not simply that the Pharisees were just hypocrites. That word hypocrite in Greek, it actually means play actors. It's not just that the, the, the Pharisees were just acting religious. It's that their hypocrisy was actually hurting other people. 
Because we're all hypocrites, aren't we? Can we be honest? Can we be honest, people? I'm a hypocrite. My name's Crispin. I'm a hypocrite. Y'all are supposed to say, hi, Crispin. <laughs> I mean, really. We all have some level of hypocrisy in our lives. Otherwise, Facebook wouldn't exist, right? We all like to look a little bit better than we actually look in real life, right? You get that picture where you're caught in the right angle and, and the sun's shining and you run it through a filter and Photoshop it. I'm going to take a little of the weight off of the, my cheeks there. Uh, we are all a bit hypocritical. We act a little. We want to appear a little bit more well-to-do than we are. We want to appear that, that we're a little bit more spiritual, a little bit more religious than we actually are. And that's more along the lines of vanity. And C.S. Lewis says that vanity is probably the, the, most, the, 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 the simplest version of pride. He said that's more like a childish version of pride. You know, we want to look good. But what is bad with the Pharisees is their hypocrisy. Jesus says they devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Not only are they play-acting, but their hypocrisy is actually devouring other people. It's taking from people on the margins to puff themselves up. And so their pretension that they are doing something good is all the more gross and evil in Jesus' eyes. See, I think if we look at this in context, it's, it's no doubt that after Jesus talks about them devouring widows' houses, what's the next thing that we see? He is looking at a widow who's dropping in her last two cents. She's given all that she has to God. At the temple that day, you have to imagine... The Jewish people didn't have churches everywhere. They had this one massive temple complex that would have taken up blocks around downtown Covington. It wasn't like a little discreet church building. And there were thousands of people that would go in and out of the temple. And Jesus is sitting across from the place where they bring their offerings and all these rich people are showing up and they're dropping these, these offerings in that make a lot of sound because their change is clanking around. And then there's this one lady that nobody probably even notices at all. She's insignificant. She can't make a big noise with her gift because she got two cents. And she drops it in. Nobody else probably even saw her that day, but Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. I want to watch a little clip from a, a film that came out, I think it was in the late 80s, called Leap of Faith. Anybody remember Leap of Faith? Okay, great. I'll set up the clip then. <laughs> Leap of Faith is a hard movie to watch. It's about... Uh, it stars Steve Martin as this corrupt evangelist who goes from town to town uh, setting up a revival tent and putting on a religious show so he can line his own pockets with the offering of the people that he's exploiting. 
and we'll pick it up right here. Oh, I believe we're going to see some furious miracles tonight. Now, come on up, because I'm working for Jesus, and he's coming through me. Special delivery. Receive a fresh anointing. Watch out. I'm vibrating. I'm vibrating. Oh, I'm vibrating. Oh, I'm I'm feeling the power. Come on, brother. Well, let Jesus. me. I don't think I got any more healing power left in me tonight. Rap, what about me? That's it. I'm all done in the service of the Lord. Come on, say thank you, Jesus. That's right, dance, brother. Dance, brother. Come on and celebrate the miracles of the Lord. What about Floyd? demonstration of the Lord's kindness one more show of faith because that's what this is about faith you got to have it or you can't get healed if there's any doubt in your hearts the Lord cannot deliver his healing if there's even one among you who doubts like you brother will I know you have doubts but even you must believe because this boy's chances of walking are in your hands The fate of an innocent rests in the heart of a cynic. 
I get um, I, I get very upset when I see a type of religion that preys on the poor and the weak and the widows and even like in this the, the, the sick, a religion that is full of hypocrisy and it's all smoke and mirrors and is all filled with uh, it's just it's just trying to make its money off of those who are on the margins. But what I see in this story today and even in this clip, even when people show up to a corrupt system, even when the system doesn't care anything about them other than their money, even when the system is trying to manipulate them, and even when there are people in it for wrong gains, Jesus actually sees them. Jesus sees them as people, and he sees their needs. This widow was going that day. She was giving to a corrupt system that had probably taken everything that she had, took her whole livelihood, and yet she still managed to give as unto the Lord. And guess what? God saw her. And if I have any kind of comfort, um, it's that Jesus sees the weak Jesus sees the ones who nobody else sees. And there may be some people like these Pharisees who are getting over on people. They're taking advantage of people's um, gullibility, naivety, or their desperation. But Jesus sees. And Jesus says, for these guys, it ain't going to be very good for you. you're going to receive a harsh punishment. I have been around uh, a few corrupt ministries (laughs) in my days. I've seen some things behind the scenes that have really uh, turned my stomach on occasions, and yet I still have seen God touch people through these ministries. And I don't get it. (laughs) Other than God is a lot more merciful than you or I are. I think sometimes God in his mercy will even use whatever he can because he loves people. And he honors their heart. This woman is a picture of Jesus because she gives out of her lack out of her poverty, out of her weakness. See, in Jesus, we see God not giving out of his strength, out of his power, out of his position, but we see God in Jesus giving from a place of humility, from a place of powerlessness, from a place of weakness. And that's the good news of the gospel. And this woman, in this instance, giving of her, her, her last bit that she has, she's a picture of Jesus who gave, who emptied of himself. And so when we look at this passage, we should be inspired by this woman's sincerity, by her trust in God, because I do believe God took care of her. We don't see anything outside of this aspect, but I do believe God saw her and took care of her. We should be inspired by that to be better followers of Jesus. 
But I don't think it's enough to stop there. Because I think if we can see anything in this passage, it's that we should be intentional about being the kind of community that doesn't tolerate the exploitation of the poor and the weak in our midst. We should be a kind of community that stands up against that in society. We should be good news. Especially in a political time of year. There's all kinds of things that we can drag, get dragged into in, in political circles that become exploitative in using of the weakest people in society. And we, as followers of Christ, should do something different. Do you realize that when you read the book of Acts, the, the story of the early church, the first organized thing that they did outside of getting together on Sundays to celebrate Jesus, you know what it was? It was a program to take care of widows. That's the first thing that the church did. The people that followed Jesus for those three years and that were then empowered with the Holy Spirit, the first organized thing that they did was make sure that those who had the least power and the least resources in society were taken care of. And I think that this is where this has to go. So we're going to close with communion today. We're going to remind ourselves of, of this Jesus who emptied himself on our behalf, who gave everything that he had for us. But I, I want to, to reflect on two questions. Number one, where is it that God may be calling you to give out of your own poverty? Now, you may be in here today saying, I'm not poor. I got two cars and a house and a refrigerator full of food. And that would probably be most of us in here. Some of us might even have three or four cars or multiple houses. But the question is, where is it that you feel lacking? Maybe you feel lacking in your spirituality. You think, man, I don't pray enough. I don't read the Bible enough. And so that keeps you from speaking about Jesus to hurting people or praying for somebody when you know they're going through. Maybe God is calling you to give the smallest prayer that you can give right now. You feel unworthy and like, I can't even do it. Maybe God's just saying, step out and just pray for somebody. Maybe your prayer is just, God bless you. Well, step out and give your little two-cent prayer. Maybe it's your time. Maybe you don't have any time. Well, maybe the little bit of time that you got that's extra, God may be asking you to give that to someone else, to be with them, to, to hear them, to sit with them. So that's the first question. Where in our own spiritual poverty is God calling us to move out and serve other people? And then the second question today is, I think the obvious question from this passage, where... Are there situations where God might be inviting us to be a part of the solution to some, some issues as a church, as a community? How can we not just be inspired by this, 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 this woman, but how can we actually stand against the stuff that, that exploits people like that? In Covington and as a community? So let's reflect on those questions as we come to the communion table today. We celebrate the body of Christ broken for us, that we would be made whole, and the blood of Christ shed for us, that we may be invited into a new covenant, a new kingdom. So I'm going to lead us through one more song.
and um, just make your way up here to the table. I'll invite uh, Floyd and Ethel, who will present communion for us, and then we'll close. <laughs>